Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan, but before we do, guys, this passage that we're digging into has to do with governing authorities, and so I had to ask a question. What's your favorite fictional president? Favorite fictional president? Well, I don't know the names of the characters, but I know uh, I, I, they're very iconic in my head. Like, I can see them. Uh, one is Harrison Ford when he is playing the president. Who cares what his name was because it's Harrison Ford. And it's on Air Force One, and he basically fights some terrorists who took over the plane. The other one is the president in Independence Day, like when the aliens invade, and Will Smith is going to go fight them, oh, yeah. and the president gives that rousing speech and then goes flies a, a jet with them. Yeah. Like, I mean— I, I saw that movie so many times when I was a, a teenager that I was like, oh, okay, that's awesome. He so, was legit. Yeah. I forgot he got, yeah. He was, I don't know what his name was, yeah. but. You, the, you Did you walk down it. to the Army recruiting office after watching Independence Day? <laughs> no. After you listened no, to that rousing speech? he was just like, speech? I want to fly a jet. <laughs> no. It's like, well, if the aliens come, <laughs> or I'll Air, Air, Air Force recruitment <laughs> office. Uh, mine is Jed Bartlett, played by Martin Sheen in The West Wing. Mm, never seen it. It's it's a show people tell me I'd like, but I haven't haven't gotten into it, so. Okay. Well, I don't really watch a lot of shows as president in them, but the most recent one that I did watch was Designated Survivor on Netflix. And I I didn't finish the show, so I don't know what kind of a president he turned out to be. But just the, the storyline of how this cabinet member became the president because there was some sort of attack, like went from, you know, zero to 100 within seconds. And I was just like, that would be terrifying to all of a sudden be the guy leading the country without... Like you, you'd never think it would happen, right? But then, boom, there it was, and he was president. Yeah, wasn't he? I remember that show. I watched that. Wasn't he like a? Lo, he was a low-level cabinet member, wasn't he? Like Secretary of Education or something. something He's like off, it's something off, like seventeenth yeah. in line or something, and that would be something. That would yeah. be that would be overwhelming. Talk about a promotion you don't want. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, what passage are we looking at? All right, we are in Romans chapter 13. We're going to read the first 10 verses of the chapter here. Let me give just a little bit of context. We don't need too much because we've been in Romans for uh, several weeks now, Uh, but Paul is writing this letter, and the interesting thing is he's writing it to Rome, which is essentially the capital of the world at the time. The Roman Empire had taken over, uh, you know, most of the Mediterranean area, including uh, Israel and including all the places where Paul was traveling to start churches, and so this was an ever-present reality. Like, the, there are people who are saying, how do we grapple with the fact that the Roman Empire is here and maybe they invaded our country, you know, years ago, or maybe, um, you know, the, the government is off in Rome, or if you're writing to the folks who are in this church, they're literally in the town where it's all happening. So um, it's a relevant topic for them to talk about. Uh, so we're going to start in verse 1 and go through verse 10. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. 
They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoers. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Let no debt remain outstanding. Accept the continuing debt to love one another, for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. All right, let's talk about the O and comma, which is observations. This is where we look and see what we can see in the passage. So what observations do you have? My first observation is he gave us no escape hatch. Yeah. None. The second word, everyone. Let everyone. Okay, so in case we all don't understand who everyone includes, that would be usins, y'all, weasins, everyone. (laughs) And then the, the... the the second piece of that is he's he is uh, it seems like he's unraveling an argument which is yeah but what if i don't like the person who is currently governing or i don't agree with the person that's currently governing and he reminds the listeners the readers hey just remember this god is the god over all history and nobody nobody takes office without god being in control of rulers and governing authorities it doesn't mean that every governing authority is God-fearing and is doing what is right all the time, it is saying that God has allowed them to govern and they're there for a reason. Yeah, that's very clear. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Um, And then it also goes on even further. For the one who is in authority is God's servant for your good. Now, that's, (laughs) that's a little weird with this passage because there's history here. And Clayton's going to tell you about it. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, for context, the Roman emperor at the time is Nero. So, uh, you may have heard that uh, name and you may not know exactly what he did, but you probably have a sense that he was not a good guy. Um, so the, the famous thing that Nero did is when Rome burned, uh, he was you know playing his fiddle. He didn't really care that the city was on fire. Uh, but the more important thing about that was that he blamed the Christians for it. And so because of that, he started persecuting, not empire-wide, but at least in the local area, uh, taking out Christians. And there were uh, you know stories of how he would um, take believers, and he would uh, essentially turn them into human torches. Uh, not not the superhero, the, the literally human torches. There's a, there's a human torch superhero? Yeah, part of the Fantastic there's, Four. Yeah. Oh, Johnny. yeah, the dude that... Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 I got you now. Yeah, yeah. I'm tracking with yeah, you. Yeah, there you go. But uh, this is the more tragic version. So uh, they, he would uh, tie him up, dip him in pitch, and light him on fire for his, his uh, dinner parties in his garden. And so this was a pretty horrible guy uh, when it came to uh, treating God's people. And so for Paul to say to the people in Rome, you know, Nero is an authority and you have to take seriously the authority because he wouldn't be in that position if it weren't for God is a lot of cognitive dissonance. Like there's got to be some sort of like, what are you talking about, Paul? Um, Minimally, we're going to keep our head down. So maybe that's what you're saying. But Paul seems to be making stronger statements than just don't 
don't cause trouble. <laughs> Is yeah. the Fantastic Four Marvel? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's question number one. Que- <laughs> question number two is, what what sound does it make when people tune out of a podcast? Because I can hear hundreds of people right now. <laughs> if there was click, 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 like, I can already have people like, checking out of this. I don't like where this episode is going. Hey, we just want to remind you, we're reading God's Word yeah. and yeah. having a conversation about it. Yeah. And I think there's something to say, too. Like We see this in the Bible where... When, when the people of Israel wanted a king over them, and, and God was like, okay, if that's what you want. And I think the initial idea was that the king would be for their good, but the king wasn't always good. Yeah, the and, kinds of kings that the world tends to have yeah. don't always lead to good things. I mean, you, you think about the big sweep of the story of the Bible, um, especially the stuff that leads right up to Jesus. A- after Israel goes into exile, they have a series of empires that come in and take over. And Rome is, you know, the fourth or fifth in line. And if you look at how the prophets talk about those empires, they describe them as snarling beasts, right? So when Daniel is looking, he's in Babylon, it's like, you know, this, this you know, dangerous, deadly beast. And yet somehow he's got to kind of live in this world where they don't honor uh, God, and yet he's got to be a good citizen of it, and he's got to both go along with what is legal, but also not violate God's law. Like there's, there is ongoing tension throughout the Bible with people saying they're like legit authorities, but also authorities that don't honor God. How do we do that? And this is kind of on the 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 one side of the tension is this passage. What other observations are in there? There's a contrast here between doing, uh, you know, the difference between right and wrong, and those who do wrong will fear the governing authorities, and those who do right won't have to. Yeah, that sounds very Proverbs-ish, where we're saying, generally speaking, this is true, not in every situation, but generally speaking, this is how the world works. If you do right, and you're a law-abiding citizen, and your life is defined by goodness, the governing authorities aren't going to punish you. Uh, if you are a wrongdoer, that's what the governing authorities are there to do, to punish you. Uh, it's not true always because you do actually have sometimes evil, oppressive governing authorities who will run roughshod over their civilians. But generally speaking, Paul's logic works out. Yeah. It, it's interesting that when you look at Paul's life, there are moments when he or the other apostles are told to do things and they say, that's the that's the line. You know what I mean? We're, we'll, we'll be um, – the book of Acts, it's very clear that they're doing everything they can to obey the law and respect the authorities. And then every once in a while, they'll say, stop preaching about Christ or, you know, don't, don't do this or that. And they'll say, we've got to follow God rather than you. So there's this, there's this tension in there. One of my other observations here is how frequently the word authority is said. And we've already kind of said that a bunch of times here. But when you look at it, I think there's what, six, seven, eight, nine, maybe 10 times authority or ruler is said. And that's a striking word to me uh, in, in light of our c- cultural context. So in an ancient cultural context, they would have been um, familiar with kind of hierarchy, you know what I mean? And to know, hey, there's an emperor at the top or there's a, you know, a governor or a ruler or whatever, uh, that would have been natural. We, we obviously have government leaders, but our, the, the like culture of our nation and our world is very much a let's flatten this out as much as possible. And authority is something that even if it's good authority, sometimes we resist. We feel allergic to that. Um, I mean, we're, you know, We're the land of the free, right? And so the idea that someone would uh, impinge on my right to do something 
is uh, something that we bristle against. And um, and I, I feel like it's worth noting just because uh, in some cultures they might say, well, of course, in our culture, we're going to say, yeah, but tell me tell me where the exceptions are. And it probably isn't that much authority. And, you know, as soon as it tells me that I want to do something I don't want to do, like that's that's where we're going to start to to find resistance. And we have that a lot. Yeah. it. I think rebellion and individualism is part of the American psyche, right? Go back. We are a tea dumping, <laughs> Gadsden flag flying, national anthem singing, you can't tell me what to do kind of nation. Yeah. <laughs> right? Um, and in some ways that's good, but in some ways it's terrible when you're talking about following Christ. And uh, and on top of that, in a in a democracy like ours where we say, I'll vote you into office, and if you don't do everything I like, I will vote you right out. And so it's the whole, the power is with the people, not with the governing authorities. And so everything about being an American Christian makes it difficult for us to read something in Romans 13 like this and figure out, how do I faithfully follow Christ as an American Christian? This was the, for me as a pastor, this was the most difficult part of the COVID pandemic was as pastors saying, all right, there are things that the scriptures tell us that are our Christian obligation. And I, and we were just down in Florida on a trip meeting with some other pastors, and we were t- they were joking around with us because their joke as leading churches in Florida was, essentially to Floridians, COVID didn't exist. So they had very few regulations, very few mask mandates. They just acted like there was no pandemic going on. And so they were contrasting that with what our life was like in Illinois, which was highly regulated, lots of rules, lots of regulations. But the Christian in Florida and the Christian in Illinois both have to answer a fundamental question. In terms of following Christ, what is my responsibility and my posture towards governing authorities? The fundamental question wasn't, do I like this or do I agree with it? It is, what is my obligation as a Christ follower in terms of how I relate to governing authorities. This was the whole, this was the maddening part of the whole pandemic. And in verse, so my observation here is in verse two, consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. I do not ever want to behave in a way where what I'm rebelling against is what God has put in place. Yeah, I think there's this other thing, too, in verse 7 where it says, give to, give to everyone what you owe them. Uh, if you owe them taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. And I think a lot of times we want to pick and choose who we um, – who we to, tolerating, who we're, who we're willing to tolerate and who we're not. And he says, give to everyone what you owe them. And I think the respect and the honor – in addition to the taxes and the authorities and all that stuff makes sense. But the respect and honor, I think sometimes people think that they can pick and choose who they give that to. That's interesting because I read that as giving me, giving all Christ followers some latitude. So as I read this, it feels like something that's building. So, and here's what I mean by this. So he says, taxes, revenue, respect, and honor. Honor feels like the highest. Taxes feels like the lowest. Okay, so governing authorities implement taxes. Listen, if you live in a place and there's taxes to be paid, pay your taxes. I'm not saying you have to like them. 
I'm not even saying you have to agree with the, the, the political policies that put those taxes in place. Just pay your taxes. You don't have to agree with it. Just pay them. Uh, then revenue. Like if you owe money, you need to pay, you need to pay the money. Then respect. If someone is governing in a way that deserves respect, you owe them respect, then give them respect. And then honors the highest, which is that person deserves to be honored for who they are, their character, how they govern, right? And so I feel I read that as if it's saying you don't have to honor everybody because some people, quite honestly, aren't honorable. But you still got to pay your taxes. <laughs> yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like, that's how yeah. I read it. So it's interesting that you read it as give all of these things to someone. And I read it as if Paul was saying to be a, to be a Christ follower and a good citizen means that you give to the government or the people who are governing what they deserve. There is... Um... It, when you read this passage in the wider context of the Bible, there there is something, I don't want to say subversive might be the wrong thing because it feels like the opposite of what this is, but there is something about it where um, Paul is very clearly drawing a line saying, we're going to let the authorities be the authorities, and we're going to do what we're told unless it forces us to violate God's law, and we're going to give what they you know, are owed. Um, and probably with that sort of, you know, spectrum of how much that is. Um, and yet some of the things that he says, even in uh, chapter 12 and, you know, when he talks about love, like it sounds really nice, but there are things that the early church ended up doing. So you read the book of Acts, right? And you see them, um, you know, if you look at uh, chapter 12, it talks about like not repaying evil for evil and uh, taking care of each other. And, and then at the end of 13, showing love, when they do that in the book of Acts, the authorities look at that community and say, what in the world is going on? Because there was something countercultural about what they were doing. So it's almost as if they're saying, look, the kingdoms of the world can be the kingdoms of the world and think that they're really, really important. And let Nero be Nero. You know what? Give him his taxes. He might do really terrible things with those taxes, but just whatever. You know, Jesus said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. But when we go about our business as the people of God, we're going to recognize we live under a different king. So Nero is not our king ultimately. We'll give him what he owes in this life. We're going to live the way King Jesus wants us to. And it's something about that life that slowly over time turned the world upside down. Like King Jesus is still ruling, but Nero is gone, right? And so Paul's like, it's not going to, it's going to stress me out. These are temporary authorities. And so the life that we live in some ways uh, doesn't depend on whether or not those are good or bad or whatever. Like there's, there's something about it that when you look at how Paul lived, it's less than just like, all right, salute, you know, do what you're told and, you know. They're, they're in charge. They know best. It's, you know what? They're not as big of a deal as they, they think they are. So just give them what they're due and let's keep moving on with what we're doing. Which then leads us to verse eight that says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. That is an interesting way to say that because when, th- when you think about debt, you think if I'm in debt, I'm in debt to someone and I owe them something. It's my obligation. I'm not sure we always think about love as an obligation. We think of it maybe as a favor, but certainly not an obligation. But for the Christian, it's a debt. We are called to be loving people and to love one another. I think that leads into what we could do for our meditation here. That that verse, verse 8, is a, a pretty good one, um, and it might prompt you to think about places where you haven't given people the love that you owe them. Um, and maybe it will even, you know, reflect some of the other things that are owed that were in the previous verse. Um, but let's let's ponder this verse, okay? 
Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. 45 seconds. All right, let's talk about the other M in comma, which is message. This is when we take what we've read and we try to sum it up in a principle that we can apply to our lives. So what message do you get out of this passage? Mine will be very broad and hopefully not unhelpful, <laughs> but this is, this is the thought that's in my head. Christians do not relate to the government the same way that everyone else does. I don't know what to do with that, but it seems pretty obvious from this text. Hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to kind of figure out what I how I would put my message, but the the one thing that's popping into my mind is just to uh it's coming from verse 8 that I circled that part love one another and it's it's like how do I love people who are difficult to love? You know, like love people who are difficult to love. Um, because there, there is just that that balance that there are going to be times where we encounter people that we go, I don't really want to love you right now, but that's what we're called to do. Or how about the person that voted in the governing authority from the <laughs> political like. spectrum <laughs> that you yeah. oppose? Yeah, you're still yeah. supposed the to ability love that to person. love. If you're an elephant, to love the donkey. And if you're a donkey, to love the elephant. And if you're a libertarian, to stop pretending like you're smarter than everybody else. <laughs> oh everybody has got to love everybody. <laughs> All right. My message is, if it isn't against God's law, do what the authorities say. I think that's the principle. And that sound means it's time for your comma tip of the week coming late in this episode. Close your eyes. Imagine a place. It's that place where you read or listen to the Bible. Are you visualizing it? What does it look like? What's there? Can you see it? If not, you know what you need to do. And this has been your comma tip of the week. I actually closed my eyes. I like that one. Yeah, I closed my (laughs) eyes. I was doing it. All right, we're going to talk about applications. So that's uh, how we respond to the passage, the message that we got out of it, and what we're going to do. Um, my application, for some reason, I'm going to the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Am I missing one? Perseverance. Perseverance. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. Same word. Um, kind of. It's that idea that like the Holy Spirit's work in me, um, to help me love people who are hard to love. Like that's what it takes. Like I can't do that on my own. Forbearance. Forbearance. That's another. That's patience. Forbearance. That's another. Yeah. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Long suffering. Long suffering. That's, that's the one it. I was looking for. That's another. Yeah. Sorry. No, it's good. Those are all. Those are all. <laughs> we're we're playing synonyms for the fruit of the spirit. Yeah. Here. Yeah. That that would be mine. I need the I need the work of the Holy Spirit in my life to help me love people who are hard to love. So my message is that Christians don't relate to the governing authorities the same way everybody else does. And so I'm, I'm currently thinking through my responsibilities as a citizen and as a Christ follower. So it's to be engaged. It's to be informed in the process, to not abdicate any kind of involvement in political processes. So like right now in the town I live in, there's a massive referendum for school improvements, right, which ultimately is about taxes. To be informed, to have an opinion, to vote, uh, to give respect, to obey authorities, but not put all of my hope in that and not get so wrapped up in it if things don't go my way Mm -hmm. or what I vote for doesn't happen or the person I want to see in office doesn't get in office because ultimately my hope is not in the here and now, it's in the then and there. It's Mm -hmm. in King Jesus. And so yes, be involved, but don't let myself get so wrapped up in it that I forget that my king is Jesus. Mm. Yeah, so my message was, uh, if it isn't against God's law, do what the authorities say. And it's the uh, middle of March, so I'm going to make sure I pay my taxes. So that's that's my application. There we go. Practice. Are you not going to pay your taxes <laughs> no, before I, I this was, episode? Was, but I'm just going to feel good that I'm actually obeying Scripture, not just you know doing what I got to. Yeah, so. super practical. <laughs> All right, well, there you have it, friends. Thanks for listening this week. Join us next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan. In the meantime, if you're not following along, you can check out BibleSavvy.com to download it and to start reading today. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week.